Hallelujah. Glory to God. Y'all ready to rise? Y'all don't sound like y'all ready to rise. Let's try that again. Are you ready to rise? That's what I'm talking about. You may be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. First, before I, I get started, thank you, Pastor Jordan, Pastor Diana, Dr. Jacobs, for uh, allowing me to speak. It's an honor. Thank you for allowing my wife and I to be a part of your lives. This has been a blessing to us. And uh, I'm just excited. I'm excited. Amen. I'm excited about what God is doing. What I'm most excited about is what God is going to do in you all. When I was thinking about this youth camp, I was thinking about you all. Y'all were born for this generation. And God needs you. He needs each and every one of you. He needs you to take your place. He needs you to rise up. Because people need to know him through you. And some people you're going to touch, no one else is going to be able to touch but you. So he needs you to rise up. Take your place. You have a place to take. You do know that, don't you? Amen? Well, let me pray, and we're we going to jump right in, but I'm going to challenge you tonight to rise. I was thinking about y'all just a few minutes ago, and, and the Lord gave me the illustration of bread. Bread? Yeah. What you put in bread? Yeast. Yeast, when it comes in contact with warm water, it feeds on the sugar in the wheat, and it begins to rise. Tonight and the rest of this week, you're going to get yeast, Holy Ghost yeast. And if you'll mix it with the word and let the Spirit of God breathe on you, you'll rise. You'll rise. Nothing will be able to stop you from rising. Why are you rising? So others can see God's love and how much he loves them. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about you being involved with him. It's about you cooperating with him. But it's so others can know how much God loves them. Because somebody told you how much God loves you. Amen. Father, I thank you tonight for the word. I thank you for the Holy Ghost. I thank you for leading and guiding us in all truth and telling us the things to come. Now, Father, give to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you so that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened so we'll know the hope of your calling, that we'll know the rich inheritance that we have as saints, and we'll know the exceeding greatness of your resurrection power that you exercised in Christ when you raised him from the dead. Help us to know that power tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the theme is called what? Rise. So I got to start by giving you a definition so you'll know what it means to rise, right? And I got to give you an example of somebody rising, right? And then we got to show you what? How to rise. Every time you read your Bible, you should be asking yourself some questions. 
You should be asking some questions. You should be asking God some questions. You should be asking the Holy Spirit, show me this. Show me how to apply this. Teach me how to put this into practice. Amen? Should, that should be every day you read your Bible. You should be asking God, show me. Show me how, Lord, I'll do this. Show me how. Show me how to adjust to this. Amen? So let's go. Let me give you a definition of rise so you can write this down. And I'm going to show you some things. Webster Dictionary defines rise as to move up from a lower position to a higher one. Young people, y'all call it the come up. Amen? You're going to come up tonight. Another part means to extend above other objects. And these next two I really like. To exert oneself to meet a challenge. And to follow as a consequence. You're going to be challenged by the word. But as you know, some people challenge you to see you fail. But that's not the way God challenges you. God knows what he put in you. And so he encourages you and pulls out of you to bring you up. That thing he put in you, he challenges that. He calls for that. When somebody is asking you to raise the standard, they're not beating up on you. It's because they see what's in you. And they are refusing to allow you to think low of yourself because they see what God puts in you. So when they ask you to do something right, when they make you do it over till you get it right, it's because they know you can do it and they are refusing to allow you to be lower than what you are. And when you have people like that in your life, you should be thankful, grateful, and appreciative. Your attitude should be, why are they always on me? Why are they always messing with me? No, see, the person you need to stay away from is the person that'll let you be trifling. It's the person that'll let you be lazy. It's the person that'll let you live half-hearted. I'm going to challenge you. Every speaker is going to speak the word, and the Holy Ghost is going to take that word and challenge you and says, look at what all I put in you. Now, what are you going to do with it? That's the challenge. Amen? Amen? So to rise means to move up from a lower position, to extend above other objects, to exert oneself to meet a challenge, and to follow as a consequence. Isaiah 60 verse 1 in the Amplified Version says, Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you and rise to new life. Rise to new life. That song, it just did something in me. This is living now when you arise. Circumstances will no longer keep you down. Depression will no longer keep you down. Anxiety will no longer keep you down. Fear will no longer keep you down. I am calling to you tonight to rise to new life. Amen? Why? He says rise to new life. Shine 
Be radiant with the glory of the Lord, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Go in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And I want to challenge you into something. Because to rise, one of that definitions is to exert oneself to meet a challenge. If you're going to rise, we're going to tell you you can rise. But more importantly, we're going to show you how to rise. We're going to show you what you need to do, what is necessary in order for you to rise. Amen? And you're going to get things deposited on the inside of you that will cause you to rise. Amen? You got to receive them. You have to receive them. You have to take ownership of it. When the things are spoken, when the word challenges, don't give your head any tiny thing. Just say, yes, Father, I'll do it. With your help, I'll do it. With your help, I'll make the change. With your help, I'll make the adjustment. With your help, I'll think differently. Amen? Say it immediately. The moment it hits you, you know when something is challenging you. Not for one moment. Have you ever had something challenge you and you know you need to do it? But then the thought comes immediately and says, I wonder how long can I keep that up? Don't accept that thought. That's the enemy. But before that thought can even get into your thinking good, cast it down by saying, Father, I will. You are working in me both to will and to do of your good pleasure. I will do it. And with your help, I'll do it the rest of my days. I'll do it the rest of my life. Amen? And when you do, you'll have victory. Amen? So you're in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 8, and we'll go down to 13 through 15 because I want to challenge you in something. Paul said this. He said, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Verse 13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That sounds like rise to me. It's a high calling. He says, let us therefore, as many be perfect or mature, be thus minded. What is he saying? Let us think like this. We're going to forget what's behind. And we're going to reach what's before us. We're going to reach and we're going to press towards this high call. It's a high call. You can't reach for better things looking at your past. You can't drive your car looking in the rearview mirror. You know what the rearview mirror is, is for? It's to periodically check behind you so you can change lanes moving forward. And that's the way you need to view your life in Christ. Look at the word. Go forward. You only check the rear view periodically to change lanes and keep moving forward. 
That's it. You can't drive looking back. You can't walk looking back. You can't grow looking back. You can't do anything thinking back. You got to let it go. You cannot reach for this while you're reaching back here. So you know what that means? You're going to have to let some people go in your life. What do I mean? You're going to have to let some hurts go. You're going to have to forgive some people. Particularly some of you, your parents. You have to let it go. Let me tell you why the enemy works on children and their parents to harbor unforgiveness. The home is the first place we learn to trust, we learn to love, we learn truth, we learn everything home first. And if the devil can get a young child in harboring unforgiveness at the authority figure in their life, they will grow up as an adult not respecting any type of authority figure. And when you operate like that, you cannot receive help. You cannot receive instruction. You will not get promoted on the job. You will not make it on the basketball team. The teachers will not want to teach you because no one wants to be bothered with someone who is disrespectful to authority. And a lot of kids have lost their lives because of it. I'm telling you the truth. So you need to, you need to let it go. Look at how Jesus forgave you. That's all you got to do. That's a quick and simple test or a quick and simple way to forgive others. Look at all that Jesus forgave you. And then ask yourself the question, how can I hold something else against you for what you did to me? You can't. So if he could get you messed up like that, when God puts a pastor in your life, the moment the pastor does something that reminds you of the person that you're harboring unforgiveness with, you won't listen to your pastor anymore. And they are the ones that sent to feed you knowledge and understanding. Watch this. So there's no fear, no lack, no dismay, and you'll be fruitful, and you'll be increased. Fruitful, productive. So that's why he tries to put that in there. So what do you have to do? Let go of the hurt and reach for the love. And if you reach for the love, you'll be so caught up with the love that you don't give any attention to the hurt. You know, you, you, you do know that you don't have to think about it. You do know that, don't you? You don't have to think about it. You don't have to give your attention to it. You don't. You, 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 you give it. Let me show you how to forget something. I'll tell you this quick story. When I was young, mama would send me to the grocery store. And she would allow me to, if it was money left over, change left over, I got to spend it on what I want. So that means I got to get candy. You know, back then we called them Zuzus. And so I, I, I would, my mom would go say, go get it. bread, eggs, milk. 
and, some, and something else. But I wouldn't write it down. But I had it in my memory. Get the brick, get the eggs, get the milk. Get the brick, get the eggs, get the milk. And I would get in the grocery store saying, get the brick, get the eggs, get the milk. And I walked down the little Debbie aisle. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, get the bread, get the eggs, get the milk. But then I see that the little Debbie's on sale, two for one. <laughs> now, I'm thinking about how many little Debbie's I can get with the change left over. Now, all of a sudden, I didn't buy a couple of items. What happened? I switched my focus. That's how you forget things. You put your attention on something else that's better. What's better than the word? What's better than God revealing himself to you as your heavenly father, as your God, taking care of you, loving you, healing you, delivering you, setting you free? What is that in in comparison to somebody offending you? That's how you let it go. You take your mind off of that and you put it on the word. That's a choice. And you always have a choice. Amen? All right, because I'm going to show you some things. That's how you let it go. You cannot move on until you let some things go. Why is it a high calling? Why is it a call to rise? Let me tell you why. 2 Peter chapter 1, 1 through 4 tells us, that grace and peace is multiplied unto us through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And it says that his divine power hath given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. So in him, in this high call, we have everything that pertains to life and godliness. That's why it's a high calling. That's why it's the one thing that we do. We press towards that. We forget those things that are behind, and we reach for those things that are before us. Here's another reason. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Blessing is empowerment to prosper in every way. So that's why it's a high calling. That's why you need to focus your attention on it. And then Ephesians 2.10 from the Amplified reads like this. It says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works which God predestined and planned before us. Listen to this part. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. This is the part I love. Living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. The songs, this right here, this is living now. So why should I make that my one aim? There's a good life already prearranged. There is a path already set out. All I need to do is focus on that. You're not going to find that path in school. You're not going to find that path on TV. You're not going to find that path in a university. You find that path 
in the word. You find that path in your local church where your man and your woman of God is anointed to speak into your life, teach you the word, and show you that path. And you make decisions in life based on the path. That's all. Listen, if college is in the path, then you go to college. If college is not in the path, don't go. Because that's not the good life prearranged, made ready for you to live. But you have to believe that. God already got it laid out for you. Make this your one aim. Pursue this high calling. Amen? Every spiritual blessing is in it. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is in it. And it's a prearranged life. A good life made ready for you to live. Now let me give you an example of someone rising. Did you know Jesus had brides? Pastor Alvin, I know he rose again from the dead. Listen, baby, before he ever rose again from the dead, he had to rise. I'm going to show you. Listen to me. I'm going to say it again. Before he ever went to the cross and died and rose again, he had to rise before he got there. Let me show you how he rose. That resurrection process started way before the cross. It was an instant. It was diligence. It was persistence. It was giving himself to something that he knew he was called to do. And he didn't come here knowing it automatically. He had to learn it. Let me walk you through the scriptures. Because, see, some of you think that spiritual things come by osmosis. You know what I mean by osmosis? That it just drops in your head. It doesn't come that way. You have to do it on purpose. Jesus did it on purpose. Yes, he is the son of God, but he came here as a baby. And babies don't come here knowing everything. They're taught. Okay, let's just go to the scriptures. Let me just show you. Amen? Go to, where do I want to start? Go to Luke chapter 2. Mm-hmm. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. You can say amen when you get there. See, when God shows you something, one of, the, one of the most wonderful things God showed to me was, and I learned this from Dr. Jacobs, that you got to stay with things. And spiritual things are progressive. Now, for some people, that's disappointing. But for others, for me, it's comforting, which means that God's not going to take me along too fast. He's going to train me, and he's going to teach me, and he's going to make sure I understand so that I can be skillful, so that I can be efficient, so I can be excellent, so I can hit the mark every single time. And everyone who believes can do it. Amen? So look at Luke chapter Look at verse 40 and 42. And the child, speaking of Jesus, and the child did what? He grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast and of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old. 
wait a minute, he grew. He's growing. He's learning. Let's keep reading. Look at um, verse 45. Let's skip down a little bit. They, were, they had taken off from Jerusalem. and He was left behind. And they turned around to go find him. And they found him back in Jerusalem. Listen to what it says in verse 45. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him, speaking of Jesus, in the temple. Or we can say in church. Sitting in the midst of the doctors, the preachers. Listen to this. Both hearing them and what else? Asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his saying and understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorry. And he said unto them, this was when he was 12, How is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. You could be about the business at 12. If Jesus was about the business, you could be about the business. Let me, let me, let me speak y'all language. You could be a boss at 12. Spiritually speaking. And what you going to be the boss of? Demons and devils. The boss of sickness and disease. The boss of fear and poverty and lack. You, Jesus will make you a boss. Amen. Now listen. Let me tell you something. If you telling somebody something to do. And they not obeying you. You ain't the boss. A boss has authority. A boss speaks and makes things happen. And Jesus wants to make you a boss. You know, that's a popular thing that people like to talk about in his music here. I'm a boss. You can't even control your own life. How are you going to be a boss? You can't control your flesh. How are you going to be a boss? You're going to be a boss. Make yourself act right. But Jesus gives us the power to be a boss. It's not to boss other people around, but it's to boss the devil around. Because he gave us that authority. So you don't have to be fearful. You don't have to lack anything. You don't have to be sick. You don't have to walk around not knowing. Because he's life. And he came to bring it to us. But listen, he learned it from the scriptures. Listen to this in verse 50. And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things in his heart. Here's the part I like. And Jesus. You see that? And Jesus did what? Increased in what? Wisdom and stature. And in favor with who? God and man. He increased in wisdom. If he had to increase in wisdom. He didn't have it all to begin with. Let me break it down to you. How many of y'all got an iPad or a cell phone with storage capacity on it? If you got a 64 gigabyte cell phone and you look at your little storage manager on your phone and it says 
64 gigabytes used. You can't put no more on it, can you? Right? So you can't increase that because it doesn't have the capacity to increase. So look at that in that look at that in that light with the scripture. If he was full of wisdom, he couldn't increase anymore. The capacity is full. But the scripture says he increased. Which means he didn't come here with it. Why is that important? Because if Jesus increased in wisdom and, and walked on water and healed the sick and raised the dead and cast out demons. He's doing it to show us that we can too. We can increase. Let me, get, let me show you something else in the scripture. Go over there to Luke chapter 4. If Jesus went to church and had to get his Sunday school lesson, we do too. Let me give you another piece of information. If Jesus had to read the Bible, we do too. But here's the thing that I want you to see. Look at what it produced in his life. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 said that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. That anointing started with this process. And he did it to show us that he wants us to do it too. Amen? Now let's go to Luke chapter 4. Let's start reading in verse 16. It says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Jesus went to church to read. Everybody say this with me. Reading is fundamental. It really is. Reading is fundamental. Why is reading fundamental? Because if you can read, you don't have to wait on anybody to tell you something. You can learn as much as you want, how much as you want, at the rate of speed that you want. And no one can stop you from getting the information. Because you can read. I made this my motto. If you don't want me to know, don't put it in print because I'm going to find out. I'm not going to be ignorant. Because I can read. And when you don't read your Bible, you it, let me say it this way. When you don't read your Bible every day, when you don't wear out some Bibles, you set yourself up to be deceived. And you abort the rising process. If Jesus had to read his Bible, you have to read yours. Look at what it says. He, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for the read. And it said it was his custom. That was his habit. You know, like y'all check Facebook every day. Jesus checked the scriptures every day. He had an app for that. And he stayed logged in to the app. And whenever he made decisions, he checked the app. He used the app. 
Amen. Hallelujah. So now let's let's read some more. Verse 17 says, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, what's significant about that? Can anybody in here find the book Zephaniah in the Bible? Some can, but some can't turn there too quick. You know why? Because they're not familiar with it. They hadn't read it before. The very fact that when they handed him the book, he turned to a specific place. He went right to it. What does that tell me? He spent time over and over and over again looking at that passage. And if Jesus did it, we can do it. Now, what's important about that? Let's read a little bit more, and I'm going to show you why. Verse 17 again, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, and then he read this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, what's important about that? Well, when, when Jesus went to sit down in the seat, the reason everybody was looking at him and staring at him was because that seat in the synagogue was reserved for the Messiah. And that's what the scripture was talking about. You know, when I grew up, I grew up in a Baptist church. I grew up missionary Baptist. And you didn't go up on the pulpit. They had mothers sitting on the front row. I mean, a little three-year-old baby, just innocent baby, couldn't even get up on the pulpit. Them mothers be sitting down there, girl, get, get, that, get that girl's baby. He about to go up on that pulpit. So Jesus sitting down in that chair, that's Mary's boy. That's the carpenter. Can you imagine him sitting in that girl? What that carpenter boy doing going up there sitting in that chair? We know he ain't the Messiah. But guess what? He knew he was. What's key about that? He found himself in the scriptures and boldly declared, hey, the Messiah, it's me. And I'm taking my place. And I'm rising up. See, that's what you got to do. You got to find yourself in the scriptures. And when you find yourself in the scriptures, you got to say, that's me. And then you got to sit down in your place of authority. And Ephesians chapter 2 tells us we're seated with him. We're raised up with him. And we're seated with him in heavenly places. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 1, 
and you start around the 18th verse to the end of that chapter, it says that Jesus is seated above all principality and power and dominion and might and every name that's named. you seated with him. And he's at the right hand of the Father. And the right hand of the Father is a place of authority and a place of favor. Now listen, when you see in a place of authority, as a king, you don't sweat. You don't move. When people start tripping, you just say, hey, take care of that. When you want something to move, you don't go get no chair. You do like my mama used to do. We didn't have a remote control TV coming up. I was the remote. <laughs> see, we, nah, see we, had, we had a TV that had to click. You know, when you turn it, went click, 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 click. And you know, we didn't have the best TV, so the knob come off, so you had to get a pair of pliers and turn it. Click, click. And whenever my mama, and my nickname was Fat, and whenever my mama wanted the TV to change, she would call me, Fat, Fat, come here, come here. And I'm like, man, what's, what's wrong, mama? Turn that TV for me. Why did I respond? Authority. Authority. You need the channel change in your life? Speak to it. And you know what the angels will do? They'll come and change the channel for you. Because they were sent to minister for you as an heir a salvation. Amen? So he found himself in the scriptures and he boldly declared who he was and he took his place. Go over to Luke chapter 24. I'm going to show you he had this revelation. Did you know that once Jesus found out who he was in the scripture, he constantly told the disciples, I'm getting up on the third day. Y'all know I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. They're going to spit on me. They're going to beat me. I'm going to be shamefully treated, but I'm going to get up on the third day. He constantly confessed that. Where did he get that from? Because we saw that he grew up as a child. He got it from the word. Why am I putting emphasis on that? Because the world is going to try to tell you because of the way you were raised, because you didn't have this, because you didn't have that, that this is who you are. No, you're not. You are who God says you are. And if you'll do like Jesus did. See, they tried to tell Jesus. You know, at one point they said, who is this? Isn't he the carpenter's son? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? How does he speak with this authority? How does he do those things? See, they saw him as the carpenter. But he saw himself as the son of God, the Messiah. He saw himself as God working with him. They just saw him working with a hammer. He saw himself using his authority. He saw himself raising the dead. He saw himself dying on the cross and getting up from it. See, people will want to see you one way. But what's most important is, how does God see you? And do you take on God's perspective? Amen? I want to show you another scripture that proves to you that he knows it. Luke chapter 24, you there? Go to verse 25. Luke 24, verse 25. Now, this is when Jesus rose from the dead. And he's talking to Cleopas and them while they were walking around the way. Listen to, his, listen to what he said to them. 
Because Jesus asked them, well, what's going on? Why are y'all so sad? And they told him about what happened. But they didn't realize that they, they didn't have revelation that that was Jesus talking to them at that point. But listen to what he said. He says, uh, then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. How did he know that? From the word. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And he, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. You need to be able to explain the scriptures concerning you. Where do I find that? In the letters written to the church. You are the church. Romans, the revelations. That's the letters written to the church. And those scriptures that say in him, through him, in Christ, through Christ, in whom, through whom. You need to expound that to yourself every day. You need to explain that to yourself every day. You need to say, self, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. So let me tell you what you're going to do. You, I, I'll give this example. My name's Alvin. So I say, Alvin, the love of God is spread abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost who's given to you. So this is what you're going to do today. You're going to love like God. You're going to forgive like God. You're going to be kind like God. You're going to be long-suffering like God. And you're going to be merciful like God. Because the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost who's in you. And when people act a fool and want to try me, and my flesh says, slap the taste out their mouth. <laughs> I tell my flesh, because I'm the boss. No, I ain't going to slap it. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I love like God. I'm kind like God. I'm patient like God. I'm merciful like God. I'm long-suffering like God. I forgive like God. That's who I am. And I do it all the time. Regardless of how I feel. That's how you do it. That's how you ride. What? What just happened there? I just rise. I rose above the circumstances. I got into a new place. See, when you operate like that, nothing can defeat you. Will you have challenges? Absolutely, but they can't defeat you. Will you have challenges? Yes, but they will not stop your progress. Amen? Hallelujah. Let me show you something else here. Let's show you what you need to do to rise. Jesus knew the scriptures. He found himself in the word. You're going to have to find yourself. You're going to have, let me say it this way. You will have to find out what God says about you and how he thinks about you and what he put in you. And you know what you have to do? You have to put down your way of thinking and take on his. Let me tell you something. As long as you live in this earth, someone is trying to tell you how to think. So don't trip about that when we get in church and say, this is the way you need to think. Because here's what, what the world says. You don't need to let anybody tell you what to think. They're too late. They're already telling you what to think. They just did. The question you need to ask is, who am I going to allow to tell me how to think 
so my life turns out the way it needs to turn out. Will I allow God? Here's, here's the most wonderful revelation. God knows more than anybody. Doesn't he? Smarter than anybody. He's everywhere. You know this omnipresence? If he's smarter than everybody, wouldn't his thoughts be better than anybody's? And if he tell me to think a certain way, wouldn't it just be smart to say, okay, I'm going to think that way? Huh? You don't have no problems when Google tell you something. Matter of fact, you so trained when somebody say, hey, man, what's so-and-so make? I don't know. Let me Google it. Amen? You know God got a Google? Did you know God got a Google? You know what he's called? Holy Ghost. What is Google? It's a search engine. And when you put words in the search engine, it brings you back what? Answers. Results. It brings you back links, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9 through 16 says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. But God had revealed them unto us by his spirit. And it says the spirit searches out all things, the deep things of God. The plan of God for your life might have two million hits. But if you're praying the Holy Ghost, He'll search them out. Yeah. And you know what'll start happening? Bing links will start popping up in your mind. Do this. Bing another links pop up in your mind. Go there. Bing another link, a link pop up in your mind. Go take that job. See, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, that's your spiritual search engine. He starts, he starts searching out things. You're praying out spiritual algorithms. That don't nobody know. And those algorithms are specific to your life. And he pulls those things out. And he reveals those truths to you in the word. And he gives you a witness to go in that direction. So when you say, I don't know what to do. Google it. How you Google it? Start praying in the Holy Ghost. You start saying, Father, I believe you to give me utterance to pray this out. God, I don't know what career path to take, but I learned that there's a prearranged good life. There's a path already laid out. Holy Ghost, give me the utterance to pray out that path. And you take off praying in other tongues. Well, what if I can't pray in other tongues? We can help you with that. We can get you filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't have to do without. Amen? Now, the first place you need to rise is in your thinking. Amen? Go to Isaiah 55, 7 through 11. Two places we need to rise, in our thinking and in our conversation. Your thinking and your mouth, it needs to come up to a higher place. Your faith will never rise above the level of your confession. And your life will never rise above the level of your thinking. 
will show you. But if God can tell you how to think, you got it. If you're willing to think like he tells you to think. God telling you how to think is for your benefit. It's not to control you. It's not to keep you from having fun. It's to keep you safe. It's to keep you in peace. It's to keep you in his plan. Amen? So Isaiah 55, verse 7, you there? It says, let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Do I need to slow down? I still hear some pages turning. Y'all okay? I'm in verse 8, Isaiah 55. I'll wait a little bit. I still hear pages turning. I want you to see this. We're good? Okay, I'm going to pick it up in verse 8. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen. God said they were higher. He didn't say you couldn't know them. He just said they're different from yours. That's all he said. He's got a higher way of thinking. He's got a higher way of doing things. And they're above the circumstances in life. Now listen to what he says. This is the part I love. He gives you an example. He says, for as the rain comes down and snow from the heaven." And returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Listen to what God says. My thoughts are up here. It's a highway. But I brought it down to where you can get it so it can be productive in your life in the form of my word. God's words reveal his thoughts. Reveal his high thoughts and his high ways. You know what that's like? See, you, see even though they're high, you have access to them. Do you follow me? Let me help you out. How many of you here got an iPhone? How many of you here have an iCloud address? What's the cloud? It is, a, it is a virtual storage place that you access by satellite, by over the World Wide Web. It's not on your hard drive. They call it the cloud. But guess what? You can access it, can't you? How do you access it? How do you access all those pictures, all those, all those songs that's in the cloud? How do you do it? How do you get to it? You connect it to the Internet. And what do you have to have to get into that account? A what? Come on, talk to me. A what? A password. Same way with God's thoughts. You need to be connected. What's the spiritual Wi-Fi? The local church. If you ain't on the Wi-Fi... You can't get the cloud. Your pastor is a router. 
a good, strong rider, and he's always giving out a signal. But if your router is turned off, you can't even use your password. So he's the router, and he's giving out messages and instruction that gives you access to the cloud. But there's a password to get to it. What's the password? The word of God. But if you ain't connected, and some of you don't pay your Wi-Fi bill, and that messes up the connection. What's your Wi-Fi bill? Tithes and offerings. Well, you didn't think pastor was going to put that in there like that, did you? I didn't. The Holy Ghost did. <laughs> huh? That's what connects you. So even though it's high, you have access to it. Amen? And remember what he said? This high calling has everything that pertains to life and godliness has every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It has a life, a good life that's prearranged, made ready for you to live with the path laid out. All you got to do is access it. Amen? So we have to take on God's thoughts. You have to think his way. When God says your way of thinking is jacked up, there's no, you don't need to debate. Just say, Father, it's jacked up. I'm glad you showed me it's jacked up and you showed me the right way to think. See, when God is speaking to you and you thinking of a rebuttal, you're not listening. If someone's trying to teach you something and you're thinking about a comeback, and you're thinking about all the objections and, and the way you can prove how you don't need to do it, you're not listening. And you're not accessing the high wisdom, the high way of doing things that will, when you make decisions in line with that, it'll cause you to ride above the circumstances in life. And when you do that, guess what you can do? You can show others how to do that. But you can't tell people something you don't know. Now let me show you the other thing that you have to do. So we have to take on God's thoughts. And God's thoughts are revealed in his word. You can't do it your way. Your spiritual life ain't Burger King. You can't do it your way. You can't have it your way. Why? Because your way don't produce nothing. It may feel good, but it don't produce nothing. But God's way, it produces mightily. It produces greatly. It produces health. It produces peace. It produces deliverance. It produces joy. It produces prosperity. It produces power. It produces wisdom. It produces eternal life. And what's your way? What's your way going to get? Nothing. It's like comparing a Ford Pinto to a BMW 750. I'm sorry, y'all, most of y'all ain't old enough to know what a full pinto is, do you? Huh? That's like comparing a moped to a BMW 750. 
Your way is not going to get you anywhere too far. So you might as well give it up. I mean, give it up. Quit struggling. Quit fighting. Why are you fighting your productivity? Why are you fighting your creativity? Can I challenge you in something else to take on God's way of thinking? You have such a Holy Ghost imagination in you that you don't need to copy anything from the world. God created music. If he created and the spirit of the creator is in you, there should be a sound coming from you that sounds like nothing in this world. He's the creator. And you should not feed on music that taints your creativity. Because it's low-level music. Rap, listen, I grew up listening to rap before y'all ever knew what rap was. I'm talking Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Curtis Blow, who y'all think is rap, whack. They don't even say whack anymore. See, let me tell you the junk I used to, used to listen to. And it didn't prove anything. I used to listen to Eric B. and Rakim. He had a song called Painted Fool. D. Susan know what he's talking about. He's talking about thinking of a master plan. Ain't nothing but sweat inside my hand. So I dig into my pockets. All my money spent. And I dig deeper, it's still coming up with lint. That ain't the kind of plan I want. He said he started thinking how to get some dead presidents. I need money. Used to be a stick-up kid. Thought of all the devious things I did. That ain't the plan. Dig deeper and still coming up with lint? And you know what? I listened to that over and over and over and over. Why? Because the beat was good. But I didn't realize what was getting in me. So I'm walking, taking a master plan. It ain't done but sweat inside my head. What am I, look at what I'm speaking over my life. And some of this filth that the young people listen to, low standard. It's not the high calling. I'm going to even be bold. Some of you Christian rappers, you got to watch. When the message and their lyrics start to change, you need to change. You don't think it's important? Very important when you realize what words does to your thinking and to your spirit. What do we say? God's word reveals his thoughts, which is the highway and the high thinking that causes you to rise above the circumstances in life. So why would I want to sacrifice my high role by listening to a good beat giving me low words? I don't care if it is instrumental. I don't want it reminding me 
of the lyrics. And I don't want you taking old backbeats and putting godly lyrics over it. Because I still remember the song. It, it, you know what? It would be funny if it wasn't so sad. Because we have the creator, his spirit, living on the inside of us. His thoughts revealed to us in his word. And we can't come up with nothing more creative than that. Why? Low level thinking. You know, I just saw a testimony of a man who was a janitor who used to do drive-bys who God told him, if you will put chili powder on Frito-Lays, you will have a multi-billion dollar market. He was the guy that, that invented hot Cheetos. He's a believer. He was a janitor at Frito-Lay. And God said, look here, boy. Put some of that chili powder on them Cheetos. <laughs> and he called. My wife would tell you, I, I saw it. And he called the CEO. And they met with him. Hot Cheetos. You're just one praying in tongues away from some hot Cheetos. <laughs> well, why you can't invent the next billion dollar app? Right, why you can't why you can't invent the next billion dollar coffee chain? With the spirit of the creator on the inside of you and his high thoughts and highways revealed to you in his word? They don't have a supercomputer big enough to do that. That's what's in you. That's who created you. Now let's talk about your words. And I'll be done. Let's go to a scripture. You got to take your thinking up. How you take your thinking up? Listen to God talk to you. Amen? Words are important. I love how... Dr. Jacobs put it, this is a word planet. It's run by words. And I was thinking about that one day in the barbershop when I was talking to this guy. And he was talking about how an ugly dude can talk to a pretty woman because he got slick words. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. You, 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 you see him walking down the street like, how you wind up with her? And then he said this statement. And it immediately took me back to what Dr. Jacob said about a word planet. He said, conversation rules the nation, baby. Now that's slick, but really, it's biblical. Because 2 Peter tells us that this world that was created by God's word is held together and kept in store until the day of perdition. Listen, it holds the universe together the word scientists say if the gravity gets off or the earth spins gets off just a fraction we all lost in space now here's a thought if the word created the earth eons ago and keeps it together 
Surely it can keep your life together. Surely it can keep your thinking together. Surely it can keep your body together. Surely it can keep your bank account together. Surely it can keep your relationships together. This is the word. Now here's the question. Will I take the high way of talking or the low way of talking? Since God is telling me how to think and he's smarter than me, I might as well let him tell me how to talk. I mean, let's look at how God talked. There was nothing. And he said something. And there was something. That's the kind of talk I want to learn. He speaks to things. And they obey him. What he says, he makes good. What what he speaks, he brings it to pass. Here's the thing. Wouldn't it just be smart to say what he says? So he can bring it to pass? My job is not to bring it to pass. My job is to believe that I say, when I say what he says, he'll bring it to pass. How easy is that? People don't have any problem repeating what they see on the internet. Oh, it's on the internet. You know it's got to be true. And they repeat it. How easy is it? Listen, you ought to, you, this needs to be your mentality. It's in the word of God. He said it. It's got to be true. And repeat it for the rest of your life. And watch it change things. Amen? Hallelujah. Here's your conversation. Listen to this in James chapter 3. I'm going to show you. See, this secures your decision making and your discipline. Go to James chapter 3. We'll start reading in verse 2. This is my final scripture. See, I showed you how Jesus rose. He started that process long before he went to the cross. And it was because of the way he thought and what he allowed to come out of his mouth. He believed what the word said about him. And he wouldn't deviate from it. Can I tell you something about Jesus? One more thing while you're turning there. You, this, listen to me, and this is really important. You have to be determined that you're going to live the high standard when your friends don't want to go. Well, you know, Jesus was compassionate. Jesus was friends with everybody. Let me, let me, give, you, let me give you a picture. You go over there in John chapter 6. And Jesus told him, I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven. And he said, if you're going to follow me, I'm paraphrasing it. Read John chapter 6. He said, you're going to have to eat my flesh, drink my blood. And he was speaking in in, in symbolic terms. And then they said this. They said, this is too hard. And the scripture says, from that point, they turned back and didn't follow him anymore. But Jesus is compassionate. Surely he would go after them. You know what he did? He looked back at Peter and them and said, y'all want to go too? Now that's a boss. No, he just looked back. He didn't say, oh, please come back. I'm sorry I talked too harsh. I'm sorry I put it too high. (laughs) No. He looked back to them and said, I know where I'm going. Y'all coming with me or y'all going with them? 
Regardless, I'm moving forward. He looked back at them and said, y'all want to go too? You know what Peter said? Peter had some good sense. He jumped the gun a lot, but he had some good sense. Peter said, where we going to go? You got the words of eternal life. Where we going to go, Jesus? That needs to be your mentality. When everybody else leaves the high standard, you look at God and say, where else I'm going to go, God? Where am I going to go? This word brings life. Where else am I going to go? Where else can I get the word that got my dad off crack and restored our relationship? Where else am I going to get the word that brought my family back together? Where else am I going to get the word that gave me a beautiful, lovely wife? Where else am I going to get the word that brought me to my man and woman of God? If everybody else want to go, bye. See you. I'm staying with the word. I'm staying with my man of God. I'm staying in the place where God planted me. It's a high calling. It's a high standard. And you can live it. And I'm telling you, newsflash, everybody don't want to live it. And just because you won't lower your standards to go with them, it does not mean that you don't have compassion for them. If you have compassion for them, you'll keep living the high standard so that they can see that they can be lived and come out of the mess. Don't lower your standards that the scripture has set for you for anyone. You can live them. But everybody is not going to want to do it. There are going to be some people who say, it's too hard. Nobody lives like that anymore. And God's not going to lower the standards. Jesus is going to say, you won't go to? And you need to say, where else am I going to go, Lord? You're James chapter 3? Had time to get there. Verse 2. I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified. Is that all right? It says, for we all often stumble and fall and offend in many things. And if anyone does not offend in speech, never says the wrong things, he is a fully developed character and a perfect man able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. If we set bits in the horse's mouth to make them obey us, we can turn their whole bodies about. And likewise, look at the ships. Though they are so great and are driven by rough winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. The helmsman would be the captain. Verse 5, even so the tongue, even so the tongue what? It's like the rudder on the ship. It's like the bit in the horse's mouth. It controls the direction. He said, even so the tongue, it's a little member, but it can boast of great things. See how much wood or how great a forest, a tiny spark can set ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of wickedness set among our members, contaminating and depraving the whole body and, set on, and setting on fire the will of birth, the cycle of man's nature. When you put God's word 
in your mouth and on your tongue. It's cleansing. It's no longer contaminated. When you say what God said. And what will it do? It'll start stuff. That's what, that's what a spark does. It starts stuff. It starts the right kind of stuff when you speak things from the word of God. Listen, the Holy Ghost is designed to follow the word. Jesus said he would guide you into all truth in John 16, 13 through 15. He uses the truth of God's word to guide you. If you're not speaking truth, how are you going to know when he's guiding you? Your body is programmed to obey your word. He said you can control your decisions, your entire nature. You can discipline yourself by what you allow to come out of your mouth. If you don't want to go there, don't talk there. You got to put your word. Listen to what he said in Isaiah 55. My word does not return unto me void, but it prospers in the thing wherever I would send it. What are you sending out of your mouth? Let me show you what speaking the word is like. When you speak the right things from the word, right things happen. When you don't speak the right things, nothing happens. Amen? I got Siri on my iPad. Anybody know about Siri? Yeah. Siri is designed to help the iPad, the iPhone user. But what, what is most important about Siri? She's voice activated. But Siri can only tell you what she's programmed to tell you. She takes your words and she runs algorithms based on program code that has been pre-written. And if your words don't match the pre-written code, she's not effective. Let me show you. Siri, tell me when the world Oh, she says, yes, Alan. Tell me when the world, okay, that's what you figured. All right. You ready? Tell me when the world is going to end. That may be beyond my abilities at the moment. When you don't speak the word, the Holy Ghost says, that's beyond my abilities at the moment. You, but see, when you talk bad about yourself, the Holy Ghost says, that's beyond my ability. <laughs> when, when you say, I can't do that, and the Holy Ghost is programmed, listen, he's programmed. By the word, to be a helper, a comforter, an advocate, a strengthener, an intercessor, a standby. When you speak bad about yourself and say, I don't know, I can't do, the Holy Ghost says, that's beyond my abilities. Because I'm not going to help you not know. I'm not going to help you 
stay the same. I'm designed to help you do. I'm designed to strengthen you. But when you take the word and you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, the Holy Ghost says, how can I help you, Alvin? And the more you speak the word, the more he helps. The more you raise the level of your talking. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. The higher he takes you. The more you raise your level of thinking, the higher he takes you. The more you think God's high thoughts, the greater your imagination becomes. I'm going to leave you with this statement. I'm going to show you how the word can become a reality to you. How many of you ever seen those virtual reality goggles? You seen them? Pretty cool, huh? It makes you feel like the thing is real, doesn't it? It makes you feel like it's real to the point that you respond to it even though it's not real. Right? How does that work? They take the virtual reality goggles are designed to cover your sight 120 degrees. And each screen in it is designed to respond to your eye movement and your head movement. And then they give you headphones to put in your ear sounds to the goal is to immerse you in the reality what do they do with the goggles they make sure that you can't see nothing else but the virtual activity and it becomes a reality you know the Holy Ghost got the same thing why don't you take the word of God goggles and put them on your eyes and don't look at nothing else and why don't you put some Holy Ghost word headphones in your ears at the same time you're looking at that word why so you can immerse yourself in faith so you can immerse yourself in peace so you can immerse yourself in joy in healing and what will happen It'll become a reality to it. To you, why? Because you will be responding to the word. Why? Because your brain doesn't know the difference between the two. That's why your heart beats fast when you watch a scary movie, even though it's not real. Your brain can't tell the difference. You need to school yourself in faith until you start responding like God wants you to respond. And you'll have power. Stand on your feet. Two things you need to do to rise. Listen, what you hear from here on out is going to challenge your thinking. It's going to challenge your speaking. Amen? And you need to be quick to respond and say, Father, I will. I will. 
Two things I want to do quickly. If you're here tonight and you know you need to let some things go so you can move forward in the high call, I want you to come up here and I want to pray for you and lay my hands on you.